I guess just so I don't forget, I'll start with the COVID question. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I know COVID was like tough for everybody, but I just wanted to know more about your experience. So I guess, how has COVID impacted you personally? Well, I, I, I guess, um, uh, in many ways, obviously everybody's being impacted. Uh, there's some things I'm really thankful about. Um, the things I'm thankful about is, is I have a nice home. My wife and, and I get along splendidly, so we're, we're not at each other's throats or anything. Um, I, I've, I've, uh, we've expanded our bubble to include two of my grandchildren, two grandsons and my daughter and her husband, so we get to spend a couple days a week with them, which is a, a blessing beyond all measure. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, we, it, 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 it's, it's shrunk our world somewhat. Um, I'm at a point and I'm retired now, so I don't have to work anymore, which is hooray, worked for so many years. Uh, but that, that's a huge pressure that, that COVID and trying to work or go to school or any of the things that I know both of you are probably dealing with every day uh, are not on my plate. So it, it's, it, uh, and the other item just quickly is my wife and I had planned now that I've retired to start traveling. Well, that isn't happening this year. Uh, we're anxious to get back out there and, and get going. Um, but, but again, want to be safe, want to be smart about it too. Um, so all things considered, I've been cooking more. We just don't go out. We support local businesses any, any and every time we can because we want them here after this is all behind us. And, uh, um, you know, just dealing with it day at a time, really. Yeah. Um, sort of like the next question is, what do you think or like what kind of experiences in life that you've previously experienced um, have sort of strengthened you or prepared you to get through um, COVID? Well, uh, I, I mentioned my wife, Karen, and uh, I'll go back to her again. Oh my gosh, Have, having a, a, a solid partner that, that uh, is, is there day in, day out, um, is, is, it's irreplaceable, having, having that family and also being able to go over and, and still see um, two grandsons on a regular basis uh, is another reason for helping maintain sanity. Um, you know, something that, that most people probably wouldn't uh, uh, consider, uh, but another skill is I love to cook. So I have been cooking like wild. <laughs> <laughs> instead of eating out. And my wife even says, I don't know if I want to go eat out. We're, we're enjoying all this great meals at home. We're, we're in no big hurry on that front. Um, and also I was, I, I was raised in, in um, a larger family. There were five of us and I was the youngest. Um, you made do with what you had. Uh, we lived on farms, so we weren't in a city and didn't have people around us. You had your brothers and sisters and your parents and, and, uh, uh, you may do with what you had. So I, I guess maybe all of those three items uh, I'd, I'd put in the plus column, both Karen, love of cooking, and uh, being raised on a farm with, with lots of brothers and sisters, all, all prepared me for this. That's so nice. Awesome. So you sort of mentioned traveling. Um, 
and (laughs) for COVID and stuff. But after COVID is over, what do you think would be the first thing that you would do and why? Um, well, I, 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 um, there's lots of things. It's, it's hard to <laughs> nail down just one. Uh, I, I guess just going out to dinner, a very nice dinner somewhere in, in a restaurant doesn't even have to be that crowded. Um, just to have somebody else do all the hard work and preparation <laughs> and the dishes on the backside. That's, that's mm-hmm. sort of the downside. Um, I, I, I want to go, um, uh, my, my wife and I uh, spent our professional careers in the Chicago area and we've got a lot of friends there. Uh, I've also got another grandson there that I haven't seen in, in uh, uh, over a year now or going on a year now, um, just to go see our friends and hug people. Oh my gosh, I, I, uh, uh, that would be uh, a tremendous benefit. We, we, we've done a couple of trips back to Chicago and done driveway parties um, just for a couple of hours to sort of hang out and chat with each other, but, but uh, uh, would love to be able to give all our friends great big hugs, friends and family. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I think we all miss that physical element, just like to be able to hug someone or like give someone a high five. Yeah. Um, But now I sort of want to um, hear more about you and sort of like your life in general um, and ask some fun questions, maybe. Um, So first, where are you from and where did you grow up and go to school? Um. You know, I, I, I was born in Iowa, so I'm actually a local boy, um, but, but I, I left at about five or six. Uh, we, we grew up on farms just outside Des Moines. Uh, some of them are still in, uh, on my father's family, still in, in the same family, so we have century farms in our family, so it's farms that have been in the same family for over 100 years, so, so my... Uh, uh, great-grandfather on my dad's side came over from the Czech Republic, uh, settled in Iowa, and the family, big chunks of it, is, are still here and never left. Uh, me, I took a very different tact. I uh, um, started in Iowa. The family moved it through the Midwest and, and uh, lived in Minnesota for a while, uh, then spent a lot of time in Wisconsin. Uh, that's where I really went to school. Um, both uh, uh, a small Catholic school in a small town in Southern Wisconsin, I guess is where I started uh, through junior high. Uh, We moved to Madison, Wisconsin, um, finished high school there, then went to University of Wisconsin. So I get lots of sneers from from Hawkeye fans that I'm uh, uh, I'm actually a UW Badger. Sorry about that, if I'm offending anyone. But, I, I root for the Hawkeyes in every sport except the one time a year we play each other in football. I wear red, so um, uh, so that that you know so and and then I moved to Chicago uh, and spent a lot of time. Oh, before, I guess uh, when I first went to Chicago, I then uh, had an opportunity to uh, uh, work and live abroad. Um, so spent a total of ten years with two different companies. Uh, all in Europe, but have traveled extensively uh, into South America, been to, um, uh, my only forays into Asia, have been to Singapore a couple of times for business kind of thing. Um, but, but was very, very blessed, very fortunate to be able to do that and still have the bug to travel. 
Um, so uh, I guess long story short or long story longer, I guess that, that I, I'll, I'll stop talking now and let you ask another question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that was awesome. Um, but I wanted to ask sort of because I'm in high school um, about your high school experience, sort of like what you were most passionate about or what you most enjoyed doing when you were in high school. Well, high school is, um, I went to two different high schools. My first two years were in the small town in Southern Wisconsin. And then my uh, uh, last two years were in Madison, Wisconsin, one of the major schools. So I went from a a high school where there were 100 kids in my class to one where there were 700 kids in my class. Um, that, was, that was a real culture shock for me. Um, I, uh, you know, I was always good at math. I uh, have been since I was small. I, I have a brother who's about 18 months older. And in grade school, I kept getting bumped up into his math class because mine was, wasn't challenging enough. It would drive him nuts. Um, so really had a passion for math, for, uh, uh, for logic and, and programming, um, for, uh, uh, you know, just hanging out with friends, having fun. Um, you know, the other thing about Madison, Wisconsin, when I went to high school there was the university campus was, I don't know, half a mile away. So we would, every weekend, we hung out on campus. Um, they're, they're, they, would, they would show movies in the lecture halls. Certain organizations would have fundraisers. You'd pay a dollar, a dollar fifty to go see a movie. And it would be on the old reel, the, 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 the old movie projectors in the back making so much noise. So you wanted to sit up close so that you could hear, you didn't have to listen to the projector. Um, and, and we just hung around campus. It was, it was great fun, uh, a bit of a playground. Um, so... I, w I was a good student. I, I wasn't straight A or anything like that, but I, I was a good student. And uh, I was blessed with something where um, I felt I didn't really need to study very hard. Um, when a subject was taught, like in math, I'd absorb it, I'd go and practice it. And it came time for tests. And I've had friends who would study for days on end preparing for a test. And I'd read my notes and study for a couple of hours for finals and do just fine in them. So, um, so passionate, I, I guess, friends, math, um, trying to decide what I wanted to do after school. Um, I'll just mention that. I, I mentioned I wanted to be a chef. At that time, there was no Food Network or famous gourmet chefs or celebrity chefs. There were none. So my high school advisor was trying to find programs for somebody who wanted to be a chef. So I have a very nice rejection letter in a box from the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park, New York, which at that time was about the only cooking school <laughs> uh, available. But uh, that, that, that was a little troubling at that time, trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. So um, I, I, I hope that addresses your question and again, I'll, I'll be quiet now, I'll let you ask another one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that was actually my next question. I just wanted to know why you wanted to become a chef or like what inspired you sort of because you didn't have, I mean, 
I had this phase where I wanted to be a baker because I would watch baking shows and get really <laughs> addicted to them. But I just wanted to know what inspired you or wanted, yeah. <laughs> well, I, 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 and again, I love that question because um, there is a motivation behind it. When, when, um, when I was uh, uh, quite young um, and our family lived on a farm, we had some family friends that my parents were close with. And we would go to church on Sunday morning and then we would stop over at, at our friends and we called them Uncle Charlie and Aunt Betty, even though technically they weren't uncles and aunts, but they were, they were to us. And my Uncle Charlie was a butcher. He was actually a, um, an offensive lineman for the University of Iowa way back in the, uh, uh, probably in the 50s, 1950s, uh, big guy. Uh, by, you know, he, he would be small compared with most football players these days, but at the time he was a, a, a big guy um, and he was a butcher. And so we would go to Uncle Charlie's house and Uncle Charlie would make breakfast. Well, at my house, my dad never cooked anything. It was always my mom cooking. So I was absolutely entranced that Uncle Charlie could make breakfast. <laughs> So I would pull up his stool and I would help him crack eggs and we would flip stuff over and he would rave on how wonderful my breakfasts were. Um, and then I started cooking more. Um, just as, as a kid, there'd be, uh, I'd help my mom or she would give me, here's this dish, why don't you make this one? Or I'd find a recipe and say, I wanna try this. And uh, so there was encouragement on that front. So by the time I got to high school, my first job um, was as a dishwasher in a coffee shop at the, at the local mall that had just opened. It was brand new at a Sears store. Um, and I got bumped up to a cook. So I was doing short order cooks, hamburgers and breakfasts and you name it. And uh, then was working with a... Um, a manager who, who was operating a, a, a local sort of supper club for the lack of a better sort of um, term. And uh, she got me in as an apprentice to the chef there. So again, I just uh, started uh, at a young age, uh, being encouraged, having supporting people around and uh, really grew with it. But um, you know, I'll just mention just one other item here. There, were, there was really only two cooking shows at that time that were on TV, and both of them were on public television. Uh, one was Julia Child, who I, I, I hope that's a name you recognize, and she was quite a figure. And then the other was a guy called Graham Carr, K-E-R-R, -R, and he was English or Australian, I'm not sure, and he had a cooking show on PBS as well called The Galloping Gourmet. Uh, so that was it. There was there was no other cooking shows anywhere. So I I, uh, I watched as many of those as I could, and uh, really it, it fueled my interest in a lot of things, uh, making dishes that you flamed and had you know fire spewing out in the kitchen and <laughs> some pretty adventurous kinds of things. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. I mean, um, you mentioned your high school job. Well, I'm actually at mine right now. Um, <laughs> yeah that's why I have like a fire alarm but I'm in the break room so yeah but I'm also I just got done with washing dishes as well I serve um food there 
and a couple of my friends work here with me. So it's really fun. <laughs> so that's really interesting that we have that in common. Yeah, absolutely, we do. And yeah. I, I was going to comment on your, your decoration choices there. I was going to say that looks just like a real fire alarm in your room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's a real one. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah, I thought it was really interesting. But how did you sort of, you know, reroute after you got that real like, um, rejection letter from that culinary school and what you know led you to change or like do what you do now well I I, I think the rejection letter um, actually spurred me on to find out if if I can't go to school for it then how do I get uh, some experience some knowledge and, and again I was an apprentice chef for uh, a couple of years and uh, uh, you know you're you're doing the uh, the least glamorous jobs when you're the apprentice. Uh, I, I mean, I would, I would, uh, for example, every Wednesday night I would clean um, and prepare 50 pounds of shrimp. Um, not, I, 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 not, not my favorite thing to do, still isn't, but you know, it was part of the learning experience. So I, I, I can clean and prepare shrimp really, really well though. So, um, but it, it, it spurred me to find alternative ways of getting to hopefully that same end. Um, I, I did find out though, and again, I was, I was young at the time, I was, uh, you know, sort of 18 to 20 um, and working six nights a week and, and often, often from sort of two in the afternoon till 11, 12 at night. Uh, so I, I was making good money at the time, but had zero social life. And as a 20 year old man, a, a zero social life finally won out. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, I sort of, I guess right now working, I don't do like the most glamorous stuff either as you described mm -hmm. um you know just like scrubbing dirty dishes or like mm -hmm. mopping the floors and I yeah. feel like I'm just um right now especially through COVID I feel like really thankful that I'm I do have like a job and I'm you know grateful enough and um for like the opportunity to have to be here so yeah that's really cool um what do you think would be one piece of advice that you would give to your high school self? <laughs> oh, I, 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 I've, got, I've got one now. Uh, I had to think about this one. Um, one of the things I started doing when I retired was I started taking online college courses. And one that I took is called Learning How to Learn. Uh, by Professor Barbara Oakley out of uh, Oakland University in, in uh, Michigan. Um, I learned more about the way your brain look, works and how to learn efficiently and effectively than I ever knew existed. Um, so I, I, I guess I would have urged, and I have been urging my nieces and nephews who are uh, going into high school and several of them in college saying, if you haven't taken this course, you should take it. It, it, it Again, it, it blew my mind. And, and uh, some things that I had realized along the way that there's actually, actually a scientific basis behind it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is wonderful. 
So that's one piece. There's one other item I'll throw in there very quickly. Um, is from a senior's perspective or someone with grandchildren, children, grandchildren, the most important present that you as, as the grandchild or, or child can, can give someone older is the gift of your time. Uh, it doesn't have to be something wrapped in a box. It doesn't have to be something more than a phone call, a Zoom call, uh, 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 just, just taking a few minutes to talk to them uh, when we can hug each other. Hugs are wonderful. Uh, uh, the older you get, the fewer opportunities you have for someone to actually give you a really good hug. Uh, so just be, um, remember those around you that you care about, keep in touch with them. Even 10 minutes, once every couple of weeks really makes a difference and it will connect you. And while you're talking to them, get their recipes. My wife has been on probably a 20 year mission to duplicate her grandmother's potato dumpling recipe without any chance of success. Um, and also get them to tell them your family stories uh, about how they came or, you know, uh, life, uh, if I can just leverage off yours, life in Korea. What was it like uh, when they were young? How did they, what experiences did they have? Um, kind of thing. Those are stories that, again, will be lost once they're no longer around. So that's it. Yeah. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I guess I sort of needed to hear that to actually go and reach out to my grand grandma, I guess, um, back in Korea. So thank you. I will do that after this. Um, yeah. But um, I guess, could you tell me more about your family now or have you had, or do you have any pets currently? Uh, I saw the T mark go up, but that, that I'll still answer it quickly. I, I, we don't do pets. I'm, I'm not a pet person. My son loves cats. I can't stand them. That's just me. So, <laughs> and, 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 and family again, uh, my wife, we have three kids, three grandchildren, all grandsons. Uh, um, I, 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 you know, I've, I've been very blessed. They're all healthy. They're all doing reasonably well. They're all struggling with the same things I did when I grew up. And uh, so all in all, they're all pretty normal. Knock on wood. <laughs> awesome. Um, what is one weird or interesting item um, that's on your bucket list? <laughs> um, I don't, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of bucket lists, I guess. Um, there's places I want to go, places I haven't seen um, in, in terms of travel. Uh, I, I, I have no desire to jump out of an airplane or, or uh, a parachute, I mean, not, not just do that. That'd be kind of permanent. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, um, I'm not looking to, to do an Ironman competition or anything like that. Um, uh, I, I guess the one place that comes to mind immediately is um, I've been telling my wife I want to take her to 
the Lake District and the Yorkshire Dales in England. Uh, maybe not next year, probably the year after. I went there a number of times um, and I've always been absolutely stunned by the natural beauty and, and uh, the kindness of the people. And it's not a big city. I mean, it really is just small villages and rolling mountains and hills, uh, but would love to just sort of meander. My wife and I, we've, we found we're somewhat gifted when it comes to meandering and having adventures, uh, seem to come very naturally our direction. So really wanna do that. Um, and and uh, again, we'll see where it takes us. Uh, but look forward to the opportunity to do that soon. Could you, I mean, you said in your two truths and a lie going to like the Queens, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Could you tell me more about that? I was really curious about that from the start. <laughs> sure. Um, well, I, I spent about 10 years total in Europe in four different countries working. Uh, and I had an opportunity, a colleague of mine, um, his wife was uh, in a particular, um, in the building trade, and she was a representative trying to get more Brit business for British companies uh, for building materials. So they had uh, an in-service day at the Houses of Parliament. Uh, and the spouses were, uh, we were, I, I was brought along by her husband. He was a good friend of mine. And he says, do you want to have a private tour of the Houses of Parliament, and I was like, absolutely. So because we, we uh, uh, had the private tour and had an inn with one of the ministers of parliament, they took us places that they normally don't take the public tours when you go there. So at the, the, the House of Lords, um, there is a dressing room that the queen uses to put on her regal robes when she opens parliament every year, and I've been in it. So it was, uh, it, it was one of those jaw-dropping moments. Here's a small town Iowa farm boy hanging out in, in the Queen's dressing room in England. It was sort of a, a jaw-dropping kind of, oh my gosh, I guess I've, I've done okay kind of experience. Wow. <laughs> that's like that one time when it's in a lifetime experience. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's it so was, cool. It was. It was. <laughs> It was very fortunate, very fortunate. Yeah. So, all right, well, zoom in. I've, I've got, I'm going to ask one question before I get to my COVID question. I guess my first question is um, what attracted you to the opportunity of Gen Stories and, and uh, having conversations, recorded conversations with people like me? Um, I guess, sort of, I don't know. I, it's just like with COVID and everything, it's really hard to like go talk to somebody and especially working um, when I used to, when we used to serve um, in person, we would um, get a lot of opportunities to go talk to the residents, but now mm -hmm. it's sort of more, we have to be a lot more cautious when talking to them. And it's sort of like an in and out, here's your food um, delivered to them kind of thing. So I really wanted to sort of connect with people that are outside of my bubble because I'm kind of tired of talking to my parents and because um, I have no one else in my house except for my parents and my dog. So um, yeah, I sort of really wanted to hear somebody else's story and sort of what they're going through. And it just seemed like such an awesome opportunity. So I couldn't pass it up. <laughs> Great. Yeah. 
Well, thanks. I, I, I appreciate that perspective. And uh, I, I hadn't taken into account uh, your earlier comment being an only child. Um, I always wanted to be an only child because being the youngest <laughs> of five, that was never an option for me. Um, but uh, uh, just being effectively a, a much smaller group um, to interact with. But I'm glad you did. I'm thrilled you did. Really am. Um, now, let, 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 let's get to COVID. I mean, really, what, what sort of, um, obviously, there's lots of adjustments that we've all made. Are there any, um, what are the kinds of, of changes you have to make on a, on a pretty much a daily basis as a result of the pandemic? Yeah, so I guess the biggest thing for me right now is school and how it's all online for me. Um, there was an option to go back in school and now it's sort of like um, 100% in schools or 100% online. And I felt like it was just too unsafe to go back to school um, because we're expected to be there five days a week. And I don't think that's very reasonable in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess the big thing I miss about just like missing out on already like a year on the high school experience um, because I mean I only had freshman year fully mm -hmm. and I feel like I've missed out on some of the best parts of high school mm -hmm. um, and it's only going to continue so I'm a little bit worried but I guess school is the big thing just missing being in a classroom learning um, being with classmates and just talking to them is like the biggest thing um, and after that I would just say just not seeing my friends for so long yeah. and even if I do being from socially distanced or for a lot shorter than we usually do not being able to go inside homes and staying for long that kind of stuff yeah but, yeah I'd well, say those are my two th those are big ones those yeah. are big ones <laughs> um have have you um have you discovered any upsides or positives out of the changes you've had to make as a result of COVID? Yeah, I think I've sort of taken the time to um, develop myself, I guess, like think about what I want to do in the future. Um, I guess having time to sort of take to myself more than usual, mm -hmm. because especially at the beginning of um, quarantine, I guess, and everything, I was sort of just going to school and doing sports. That's basically what I would do and I never took any time for myself to just reflect and it's been nice to sort of um, grow like that personally and um, I guess I have a lot of insight now just um, I feel like with COVID and also like um, all the events that have been happening like with the Black Lives Matter protests in the summer and stuff I've sort of you know taken the time to sort of educate myself on these things and got, I guess, feel a lot more connected in a way um, with like me just trying to, or like trying my best to get out there more than usual. I don't mm -hmm. know if that makes any sense, but oh, it, yeah. <laughs> it makes tremendous sense, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, great, I, I, I love that. I, uh, well, a, a couple of things. First of all, you mentioned sports. So mm -hmm. I have to ask the question, <laughs> What sport do you participate in? Yeah, so um, in the fall, I do cross country. And then in the some spring, summer, mm -hmm. I do track. Um, 
And I guess track is my main. I just do cross country because most of the people that are on the track team also help out with cross country and sort of train. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't really do the whole 5k thing, but I do sort of go to meets, cheer people on, um, help with timing, things like that. But track, I guess, is my main season. And, And what events do you do? Oh, um, sort of, I guess now it's, we haven't had like a normal season in forever, but when I did freshman year, I would run 400 Mm -hmm. meters and, um, 200 meters. So I guess mid distance. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sprints. Yeah. I I actually, I actually think those are harder than the short sprints or the long paces because it's sort of a very long sprint. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It's like you can't really slow down or pace yourself, but you just have to keep mm-hmm. going for so long. Yeah. 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 Well, that, that, again, that's cool. And, and hopefully <laughs> we'll be able to get you out on the track again before too much yeah. longer now that we've got vaccines out there. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, you, you've mentioned uh, uh, a couple of items uh, again, only child moved here from Korea at, at age five Um that you've got a, a, a pet and, and uh, parents kind of uh, thing. Uh, let, let me just expand on, on one of those if I could. Moving over from Korea, do you, what, what, what do you recall as some of your first impressions of, of moving to the U.S.? Yeah, well, that's a great question. I mean, I guess I won't, I don't remember as much as I would have liked mm-hmm. because I was like five or six and I just the first thought I guess when I landed here I was like whoa there's so many like different types of people there are like because you know Korea is a very homogenous country we don't really see any diversity at all and sort of my friends all look like me my parents Mm -hmm. well obviously my relatives but just everyone around me just looked the same but coming here it was like all different types of people um different complexions and you know all these different things so I guess I was really really shocked at first I was like whoa this is crazy I didn't know that there was this many type of people (laughs) but yeah um and also that Korea is such a small country I mean it's very developed but Mm -hmm. the land um it is very small smaller than Iowa um probably like a third of the size but um so we all lived in very tall buildings, sort of like, so I lived in an apartment. My school was, um, you know, long rather than wide and sort of like that. And neighborhoods were pretty small and compact, but living here and moving to Iowa, especially everything is so stretched out and there's so much land. And I was like, whoa, I've, I never saw like a field of corn before <laughs> or like just like an open sky with like no buildings to sort of cover up everything. So I guess those are the main things that really surprised me. Yeah. yeah and I, I appreciate those. I mean, I, I uh, in my travels, uh, I had probably more of the opposite impact. So coming from the United States and going over to certain countries in Europe that my family descended from, all of a sudden I'm, I'm standing in a room and I'm, I'm fairly tall, but I'm in Sweden and I look around and I'm one of the shortest people in the room. Um, and was like, oh my gosh, this all makes sense now. I understand where this comes from. Yeah. So, so sort of the opposite, but I, I, I could appreciate your comment very much about the amount of diversity here. 
Um, yeah. I, I, I guess um, I want to switch gears a bit and, and just throw out one of the random questions that I, I uh, put together. What accomplishment are you most proud of? Hmm. Um, well, I guess I'll just sort of expand on like the two things that I'm like most interested in, I guess. Mm -hmm. But one of them is, um, as I said, languages. I really like, um, like the concept of languages like really astonishes me just because like moving here, not being able to speak English for like two, three years, not being able to communicate, it is such like a barrier. And um, even my parents still not, I mean, they came here at a much um, older you know, age than me. So they're not obviously as comfortable with English than now, but I feel like um, like languages in general open up so much I mean, it can tell you so much about um, a country's culture or like mm -hmm. um, the way people behave and just like things like slang and stuff. We can see like what culture they have and stuff like that. And I think that's really astonishing. So I've sort of tried to. Yeah. And I mentioned Guatemala. My aunt and uncle are actually missionaries there. So yeah. they live there permanently um, and sort of they've lived there for like five, five years now, I think. And I've taken, I've been there um, two, three summers and I've lived there like for a couple months each summer and learning Spanish there and sort of being able to actually talk to some people and being right. able to communicate. That's been so, so cool. So I guess um, I really, really like languages and I think that's like one of my biggest accomplishments. And then another thing that I'm really interested in is um, like social justice and like advocacy. Like mm -hmm. I really like to, um, I don't know, just like all these events that have sparked and that have brought light to so much injustice, I feel like have really inspired me to go out of my bubble. Um, and so I'm part of this, uh, it's called the State of Youth Advis Advisory Council. And we work alongside legislators and the governor to sort of um, advise, I guess, um, lawmakers of youth issues and sort of what we think and give youth input into the government, which has been such a really unique um, experience because in normal years, we would go to the state capitol, have meetings and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, we had to move all on Zoom, which was really sad. But I guess, <laughs> yeah, um, being able to use my voice sort of has been really, really cool and really empowering. So I guess those are my two biggest accomplishments. Wow, those are great. I, I, I love the languages. I uh, started taking French in, I think, junior high uh, and really fell in love with it as well. So I can absolutely appreciate that. And, mm -hmm. and learning another language is, it's a challenge. I've been there, done that. And, and uh, uh, again, I'm always in awe of people who seem to have that gift or that spark like you do. That's, that's great. Um, and also, I mean, this, this Youth Advisory Council, this is the first I've ever heard of this. This sounds really interesting. Um, I, I guess a question would be, could, could you give me an example of maybe one or two um, items that you provided guidance uh, uh, to, to our state officials on? Yeah, of course. So um, I guess sort of more on the council. It's called, it's abbreviated to SIAC. 
State of Youth Advisory Council. Mm -hmm. um, and it's sort of part of the Iowa Department of Human Rights. Okay. And what we do is sort of, I guess recently, um, like two weeks ago, we had something called Legislative Prep Day, where we sort of invite legislators to come and talk to us and sort of share their views. And um, basically what we do as a council of 20 members, we divide into committees that um, focus on five um, or four or five issues that we mm -hmm. think are most prominent. So we'll divide into like the human rights committee and education, mm -hmm. health, um, stuff like that. So I'm in the health committee and we've been working on legislation that would, or drafted like position statement that would um, provide menstrual products to mm -hmm. um, for free to all schools. And we've been working with um, Senator, State Senator um, Peterson on that one. Mm -hmm. And she has a couple of bills on it in the Senate right now. And sort of one thing um, the Education Committee has done, which is amazing, they've um, drafted sort of like this um, curriculum, I guess, that would include more diversity, more inclusion in um, K through 12, I guess, education curriculum. And they've worked mm -hmm. alongside Senator Bol Bolcom, which is like the Senator for Iowa City, I guess, mm -hmm. um, representative. Um, and they just put a bill in the Senate, which is really, really interesting. And I can't wait to see where that goes, but that's sort of like what we do um, work together and sort of help support their bills and yeah, I guess push for them. Yeah. Wow. I, I am impressed. I, mm -hmm. I, 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 I'm absolutely floored by that. That is so, uh, that's such a great experience. And, and, uh, again, I'm, I'm pleased to hear that, that you're involved with it. It's obviously something that, uh, uh, it really does make a difference. So good for you. Wow. Thank you. That's really cool. Um, let me just throw another um, question out. Um, aside from parents, who's influenced you most in life? Um, oh, this is very tough. <laughs> and I sort of expected it, but I guess I've never thought about it outside my parents before. But um, honestly, I would say my grandpa, uh, he's actually passed away. So, I mean, um, I can't really meet with him anymore, but he was sort of like my biggest, I guess, influence when I was younger because he would, um, I'm the youngest um, grandchild in my dad's family so he really liked me a lot and he <laughs> I guess um, but yeah as a young child he is actually was actually on the pretty old side and he was battling cancer when he was like um when I was younger too so he would even though he was really weak he would find every time he could to hang out with me and take me to the beach give me piggyback rides and stuff and I yeah. think that's, and I didn't know it at the time. I didn't even know he was sick. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was, that was just knowing, you know, that he was sick when I got older and moved here. And I felt really bad not being able to see him as much. And I feel like he sort of um, changed my life, like always being strong, you know, um, mm -hmm. to, I guess, 
he didn't really show weakness, but I mean, just showing, like you said, like spending time with someone is like very, very, very important. And the fact that he could just like, um, even though he was very, very sick, spend the time with me and Mm -hmm. being willing to do that is just so inspirational, I feel like. So I guess, yeah. And um, yeah, so that's it, I guess, my grandpa. I love that story. I love that. And I'm I'm sure, oh, I'm getting all choked up here. Um, I'm sure your grandfather loved every moment. Yeah. Absolutely. So, did not expect it. (laughs) Yeah. So, let's, um, uh, just a, um, a simple question. You mentioned earlier, uh, when we were talking about how did you decide what to do like after high school or in career and how did you get into it? What, what, what's your current thought in terms of, of what you'd like to be doing in, you know, five years time? Where yeah. would you like to be? Well, I mean, I guess I'm the same with you. Um, although I have to study a lot more for my test than you <laughs> might have <laughs> a long time ago, but I really like math and sciences as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I sort of want to go into that. Um, I'm actually my, I don't really think I have that many family members that have gone into STEM and that mm-hmm. sort of inspired me more to just, I guess like health is most important out Mm -hmm. of everything and COVID has sort of proven that but just being able to be there and like just I feel like that would be so helpful because being a doctor you can help anyone no matter you know who it is I guess and I just would love to be that kind of resource so either you know some sort of healthcare provider or Mm -hmm. just like a researcher that could help other people as well and yeah, that's sort of what I'm thinking. I'm not really sure yet, but yeah. Well, I mean, nobody expects uh, that you've got it cast in stone and you've got yeah. you know one track you're on. I mean, some some people uh, they know pretty much what they want to do when they when they're ten years old. Uh, mm-hmm. I I wanted to be a cowboy. That didn't turn out <laughs> so well, but <laughs> anyway, all right. Yeah. Um, I, l- l- let me just ask one other question as, as um, uh, sort of a um, similar to the question you asked me. Um, mm-hmm. What's one bit of advice or one thought for me, sort of the old representing an older generation, that I should know about your generation? Hmm. hmm. Um, this is very hard. I have never thought of it before. Um, I don't know, I guess. I mean, I really liked what you said about, you know, getting to spend time with your grandchildren or like, just like spending time with grandparents in general and making that connection. So I guess like, definitely um that too but for youth now I would say um we have so many issues like climate change stuff Mm -hmm. like that have been 
really impacting us and will impact us in the future. And I feel like um, sort of like even my parents aren't really used to like taking action or anything like that because they haven't really experienced the pressure to make that change. Mm -hmm. And sort of, I guess, supporting us would be very, very helpful just to, um, you know, being able to help us create the best future we can for our generation and future generations. Because um, I guess sort of, um, I don't know, I felt recently that change really needs to happen, whether it's with the environment, with um, racism, stuff like that. And just like being willing to listen to us and being able to, being willing to help us through that would be very, very helpful. So I guess I would have that for um, any other generation. Yeah. I think that's great. I, <laughs> I, I love that. That's very, very well put. And, and, and I love the, the couple of examples there um, about trying to spurring us to action, which is really, um, it's important. We all need to be on board with this. So. Yeah. Uh, just one other one, maybe a little lighter, is is uh, what uh, name something that always makes you smile. <laughs> Definitely, <laughs> um, my dog. I I actually I love animals <laughs> and pets, so I couldn't imagine living without one. Um, but yeah, when I was younger, I had like chicks. I don't know. I guess that's um, in my apartment in Korea because I don't know this is if this is eth- this is definitely not ethical at all. And but they would like um, there would be vendors that would sell baby chicks uh-huh. um, on the side of the street, and my cousins and I would always like every spring we would go and buy um, some chicks to grow in our apartment, which is not the best setting for them. Um, they end, always ended up dying, but I guess that's where <laughs> I know I, it's really bad. Um, but I guess in combination with like moving and being alone, being an only child, I, my dog has been really, really helpful. And yeah. just like, I don't know, she is definitely my lifelong companion. Like I love her so much. She's like this little tiny, um, she's not tiny, but she's like medium sized terrier mix so um yeah and she I we got her from the shelter and she's had a she has a story of her own so I guess sort of like bonding together um because she was very anti-social before but sort of like um I don't know that experience really means a lot to me and she's getting older now so I've sort of treasured every moment with her yeah so I guess my, my dog Mocha is what makes me smile. That's great. I, I, I love that. It didn't take you long to sort of uh, figure yeah. out a response to that. It was almost instantaneous. That's, that's great. I love that. I love that. Where do you see yourself living in future? Is there somewhere you'd like to live? Other than, other than Iowa City, of course. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I guess my dream right now is actually to move out of Iowa City. Like, I love Iowa. It's, like, the best place I could have grown grown up, and it was, like, totally fit for me and everything, and my parents are going to be living here. So this, I'll definitely be here. But I guess I have the same visions as you. Like, I really love traveling and 
well, I wish I could travel more. And, but in specifically, I think I really like the idea of Europe too. I really like Spain because, I mean, being able to speak Spanish, I just, mm -hmm. that was like, I mean, Spain is, seems like such a great country. I don't know. I've never been there, so I don't know. But yeah, I feel like Europe, I guess, or yeah, that would be one place I'd like to live. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, yeah. Again, I've been to Spain a uh, mm -hmm. number of times and it is, it's beautiful. There's, uh, yeah. and, and I've only ever seen just the major cities, uh, but it's, it is a beautiful and, and very rich history. Going back to your mm -hmm. earlier comment about one of the reasons of learning languages, uh, the culture, the food, the, the, uh, uh, you know, dinner doesn't start, most restaurants don't open till eight or nine o'clock at night. And, you know, it's, it's very, very different in very many <laughs> ways. And I'm sure you, uh, you've got enough of a, a, an appreciation to really sort of grab hold of those. I'd, I'd, uh, I'd love to hear where you end up going and, and when. So. <laughs> <laughs> totally.